Hi folks, before we get started, we'd like to take a moment to let you know some of the content on this podcast may not be suitable for some audiences. It's all in good fun, but we just wanted to let you know. Previously on the Jay and Dan podcast. Uh, there's an active ingredient in those uh, sleep medications that uh, sometimes give you the jimmy legs. I had them last night and I was just started punching my legs. I'm like, stop it! Stop it! Forget sex, buddy. And then I woke up to road work. Uh, it's been going on for a week. They just dig a hole and then fill it in. And then they come back the next day, dig a hole, fill it in. 2016, the <laughs> year of Dan. Our good friend um, who uh, cleans both our homes. Yeah, yeah, Daisy. Daisy. Yeah. We need more lemon pledge. <laughs> our good friend who cleans both our homes. Yes. Harvey. No. <laughs> so we're going to dive into the phenomenon that is Big City Ken. Quarter to 12, you f- the wrong cat tonight, trust me, man. You f***ers are done, man. You're f***ing employees, you f***ing f***ing My name's Ken, they know who I am. You're done, f***ing came from the big city, Peterborough, you f***ing turkeys. Confirming? Dan's balls. Large? Yes. Meaty? Yes. That's in a spice of meatballs. Meaty to, to balls? To gauge the size of my balls, you looked at my hands. We gotta get our hands on more balls. You can't judge that. He's a ball soothsayer, sir? Ball soothsayer, sir? Ball soothsayer, sir? <laughs> what? No. I got big balls. <laughs> Huge testes. Yeah. What the heck is happening to my genitals? You're listening to the Jay and Dan Podcast. Hey, that's for women. He replied, oh yeah? So is this. And grabbed his crotch. Classic Colonel. We've done 114 of these? (laughs) Is that possible? They've all been gems. (laughs) I think we. I think someone's counting them wrong. Nope. We've done wow. Episode, Just down here, we've done 114. Episode 114. Thanks for coming along for the ride. And that in, that's not including the thousands of podcasts we did in Canada before. We we've uh, we've done a lot. Uh, welcome to the show. I'm Dan. He's Jay. Uh, uh, we have to start by. <laughs> <laughs> okay. T-Mobile, right. you got this. <laughs> Can I just say Rich Cut and Unreal Recap? Rich Cut, uh, yeah, that was so great, funny. Rich. Well really done funny. by Rich. Looks Rich like we. That. Looks like another reason why we don't need Pat anymore. Uh, nope. that, the voice you heard before was uh, Ben Teller. He's uh, he's uh, the guru behind social media and such and. Whatever else he does. <laughs> That's I've it. become the new mic. <laughs> Very quickly, speaking of Pat, this uh, letter from Peter Reimer. Peter Reimer. The subject is Pat. He says, for all the work excuses we've heard about Pat's absences from following him on Twitter, I noticed he suddenly stopped showing up once he got a girlfriend. Coincidence? Nice to see Pat is happy. Hope he enjoys all that hard work. Cheers. Peter. So long, my time here is up. Yeah, Pat's getting late. That's what's happening. What I was going to say was... first time ever. <laughs> we, we have to speak of an event that Jay and I both attended, and uh, we're still on cloud 37 from Big UFC time. 199 at Big the time. Fabulous Forum oh, yeah. in Los Angeles. It was awesome. First off, the Forum. Your thoughts. You know what? It, it's got a lot of history. Um, the Showtime Lakers, the the Triple Crown line of the Kings. It it's a great 
venue, it only needs about 50 or 60 more bathrooms. <laughs> and at least 300 more people working there. Yeah, it, uh, it it's an old building, you know? It's, 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 it, they've refurbished it, but it's still old. Like, they can only do so much. We, for some reason, didn't eat before we went, so let's get some dogs, okay? Yeah. That lineup's at least 80 minutes long. Okay, let's get some dogs here. That one's two hours. Yeah, and and so. the, the toilets, like, you know, you go to a nightclub and the ladies' uh, restroom is lined up around the block and the dudes are just like, I'll piss on the floor, I don't care. <laughs> but it was like the opposite at the forum because it's all dudes there. And, yeah, I've never seen lineups like that. It was incredible. <laughs> so we get to our seats and then we get a text from a co-worker and he says, uh, don't go to the... The one bathroom, there's a massive brawl going on. It's yeah. scary. <laughs> that would be scary. That'd be like Borat, where they're fighting naked. Just oh. dicks swinging everywhere. Literally. <laughs> so, uh, Literal swinging dicks. Get your hand off my penis! So we got our, uh, our way to our seats, and um, it was nerve-wracking first because two of our co-workers were in separate fights, and it's it's tough watching someone you work with get punched in the face. We gotten so into the UFC since we've come down here and then we have the UFC Tonight Show on FS1 and Dominic Cruz is on that show and Michael Bisping is on that show and they're both amazingly cool guys really terrific guys. Bisping was on Fox Sports Live with Jay and Dan the TV show this past week and it was amazing to talk to people you know to see the comments we post pictures of him with us and the comments he's gonna get killed he's not even gonna last a minute get real yeah the, get the, real the guy's been in the ufc what 10 11 years never had a title shot never. and he wins two, first round two weeks notice two weeks notice uh luke rockhold comes into the ring with his stupid shrugged shoulder look, and he's like... And then he said, immediately guy. says, yeah, I underestimated he him. He underestimated him. He, he called him a warrior. I loved what Bisping said afterward. First of all, okay, so we're, you know, I'm watching that first round, and I, he's doing okay, and I was kind of like, all right, he's all right. And then when the knockout happened, like, I've never reacted like that to anything I've ever watched. I think even the gold medal game in 2010, I, I like, I was just so overcome with, like, excitement that he... And knock this guy out when no one thought he could. I stood up on my chair and I was screaming at him, uh, you know, from the fourth row. And everyone around us, of course, was cheering for Luke's. It was just such a great moment. Um, my, I, I jumped up and down. And the same thing that happened to me after Sidney Crosby scored the gold medal goal at the Vancouver Olympics, my phone came out of my pocket and landed in a puddle of beer. Oh, I thought you were going to say a puddle of urine. No, well, it could have been urine <laughs> for all I know. Uh, yeah, and Dominic Cruz also won his fight. Uh, he's just uh, he's a tactician in the ring, and in the octagon. It, it was, you know, and Uriah. Uriah's been on the podcast before, Uriah Faber. The California kid, yeah. Really cool guy, and, uh, you know, but we were cheering for Dom, obviously. It, it was funny watching Uriah, because Dom came out to, like, Tiesto. Yeah. So it was like... It was and then, cool. And then um, Uriah started dancing to it. Yeah. When he was yeah. waiting for him in the octagon. Well, I think you pointed <laughs> out that Uriah comes out to California Love by Dr. Dre and Tupac. Yep. And so he's the California kid. But Dominic's from California. Like, that's not fair. <laughs> I said he should have came up to the same song. <laughs> yeah, he should have come up to just hit repeat on it. Uh, so that was uh, that was just an amazing event, mm -hmm. and the, the people watching. Wow, I would have paid just to, to do that. You were seeing all the stars. Producer Brian Grazer. <laughs> so they showed they showed him on the, the who was at the fight. He was there. Uh, that was uh, like I, I have no idea what movies did he do. 
All the movies Ron Howard directed, he's Ron Howard's producing partner. Okay. So every mo- movie, A Beautiful Mind, Cocoon, Splash, every movie Ron Howard every ma- ever made, Brian Grazer produced. <laughs> there it is. That's the one. Cindy Crawford was there. Yeah. Didn't see her in person. I just saw her on the Jumbotron. Yeah, yeah. She looked, she was trying to look interested. Uh, <laughs> and oh. then right in front of us, we had a who's who. Okay, before we get to them, okay. uh, Rob McElhaney and, uh, from It's Always Sunny and his wife, who's on the show, whose name escapes me. I don't know if anyone knows her name. Uh, they were there. Yeah, they're a good-looking couple, you know, just hanging out. <laughs> but two rows ahead of us, as Dan alluded to, maybe the biggest star in Hollywood right now, Mario Lopez. Mario Lopez. Now, you, I didn't see this, but you witnessed him do something. You, I witnessed so much. You, I was on Mario Watch. You and my wife both saw it and were raving about it. I had gone back to take a tinkle, so you have to explain what happened. Okay, first off, I saw him do this. So uh, he was like, he was fully doing his uh, Snapchats and all that. So the octagon's behind me, and he did this with his camera. <laughs> Pointed at him for like 30 seconds, and he's like just smiling like this. I'm like... I would, how I would never be able to do that. So I would feel so like for those a, just listening, he's just holding his phone up with the octagon behind him, and he's like right. nodding his head. So was it a Snapchat? Was I it a don't picture? know. I would not be able to do that. Maybe would, he was doing a what is a burst? Uh, what do you call it? <laughs> burst? <laughs> like thirty photos? Yeah, yeah. Is that what they call it? Yeah, a burst. burst. Yeah, yeah. And and maybe that's what he's doing. He just wanted to make sure he got the right one. And it just kind of shows what kind of youth is living today. And then uh, they were passing around this little Twitter. It looked like a mirror that all the celebs, they wanted to tweet out from the UFC account. Right. So they came over. So Mario Lopez, then a woman, and that woman sitting next to him was sitting next to the gentleman, which was Tommy Lee. Yeah. Tommy Lee's girlfriend. So she had to get the hell out of the way because they wanted Tommy Lee and Mario on the uh, Twitter thing and the Jumbotron at the same time. And uh, Mario, just before uh, it was go time, he... uh, he used the back of his friend's shirt. His friend's just standing there looking around. He mopped his forehead so he wouldn't look shiny on the back of the friend. And the friend, Mario's like, eh. He feels a tug on his shirt. And Mario's just like, ah, yeah, I'm just wiping my head. And the guy's like, whatever, I don't care. I'm yeah. okay with it. I mean, what's he going to say? Used to it. <laughs> Mario got those, those seats for him. So, uh, yeah, Tommy Lee was there, and uh, they, they did their thing. And but, then... but, wait, before you get into that, what are other things does Mario's friend have to do for Mario that he just has to, sh- that he just has to shrug and forget about? Like, like hey, I'm going to reach down your pants and grab your penis. That's all right, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah I guess so. more balls. You got us these great seats. What am I going to do? And then when they showed them up on the big screen in-house, I uh, got right in on the shot. We have to get footage of that. That was really? incredible. Yeah, during the pay-per-view. I was waving. Like 2016. A smiling the like I've never been at an event. <laughs> we have to get footage of that. For the TV show. I just realized that that you did that. That was incredible. Uh, uh, and then, so then we uh, we leave. <laughs> this is the best part. Get ready for this one. We leave, and we're, we're going. We, we Ubered there, so we're going to Uber back. There's a big Uber parking lot where you get your Uber, and there's a limo parked by the parking lot. And all of a sudden, I turn to my right, like I'm just talking to everybody. I turn to my right, and Tommy Lee's standing right beside me. I'm like, is Tommy Lee waiting for an Uber with us? And I realize he's eyeing up the limo, but then I also realize that's not his limo, and he's going to try to get into that limo. (laughs) So then he walks over with his buddy and his girl, 
to the limo, and he starts talking to someone with long hair and like a, a, a white tank top and tattoos, and he's a short guy. And they're clearly negotiating whether this short guy will let Tommy Lee into the limo with them as the short guy's buddies are all piling into the limo with booze and Tommy Lee is looking forlornly at him. And I realized that the short guy with the long hair and tattoos is married with children's star David Faustino, <laughs> a.k.a. Bud Bundy. So what we are witnessing is Bud Bundy turning down Tommy Lee's request to ride in his limo. And he literally was shrugging his shoulders like, I'm sorry, Tommy, f*** you. No limo for you. No limo, Tommy. <laughs> so Tommy had to... It, Tommy was destroyed, too. And I way. think he walked home. They yeah, just walked have. They into, just walked away. They walked into the distance, and then well, I don't. I hope he's okay. There's somewhere in Inglewood right now. If you see Tommy Lee in Inglewood, <laughs> if you're driving through Inglewood in California and you see uh, the Motley Crue drummer, maybe he's just... Walking around pantsless. And if tra- so, that's exactly where the new Rams stadium is going to be. If you're going to a Rams game, leave now for it. Yeah, because it's uh, it's going to be a bit of a wait. Like getting in there and getting out of there is going to be a f-ing nightmare. Jim, I mean, Jim, has it always been like that at the Forum, traffic-wise? It's been a nightmare there for always. Oh. Always, I've never been. Yeah, <laughs> going to the Lakers games here was right. crazy traffic. Yeah. Crazy get. So every event seems like it's the first one they've ever hosted? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, there's only so many ways, I guess, to get in and out of Inglewood, you know? (laughs) (laughs) That should be the title of the next album you produce. Yeah, that. There's only so many ways to get in and out of Inglewood. Hey, can we do a a quick Six Degrees of Engineer Jim, our award-winning engineer? Tommy Lee! Yeah, Yeah. that's a good one, right there. Uh... I never worked with Tommy Lee, but I do have a connection. Boom! Yes! Welcome to my world. Yeah, we used to go up to... Uh, Duff had a place up at Lake Arrowhead, and this was back when uh, Tommy Lee was married to... Um, Pam he- Heather Heather Lockley. Oh. Oh. And they had oh, a yeah. place. They had a place up in Lake Arrowhead, and... Uh, Duff had his boat, and we put this crazy stereo in the thing. And <laughs> Tommy Lee had his boat, and he had some crazy stereo. And they were like ski boats, you know. <laughs> but he'd be like, "Hey, let's go fishing," you know. And we'd be out there in Duff's boat, and he, Duff would go out fishing with him, and they'd tie the two boats together and have the stereos cranking. And literally, there would be, like, waves <laughs> coming off the boat. Like, what fish are you guys going to catch? Yeah. It's like, you know, dropping hand grenades into the lake, you know. But uh, um, one of my first days at Record Plant, actually, uh, I, and I don't even know. I, I don't think, Mot- uh, yeah, Motley, I think, was there doing something. I, I don't know. Uh, I I don't remember. I don't remember what it might have been for like girls, girls, girls or something like that. And uh, they, That's were just, they were doing a lot of drugs. There was a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> and I remember I, I had just moved to L.A. I was here like a week. And uh, I'm like at the entrance of the record plant. And all of a sudden uh, I see Tommy Lee run out. And he runs out to this truck and he gets out with this girl. And the two of them run back into the studio. And I'm like. They just ran right by me, and I, and I, I was like, holy sh**, that's f***ing Heather Locklear. Oh, yeah? You know, it blew my mind. You know, I mean, it's Heather Locklear in the 80s. It oh, was yeah. pretty awesome. Feather, oh, you know. The feathered hair. Yeah, but yeah. Um, 
I know we have Pam Anderson on the wall. We do. Here. Yeah. Uh, Another ex. But I never I never got to meet uh I never got to meet Pam or or any of those guys. Uh one of the guitar techs for Motley Crue, um Mick Mars's guy, uh a guy named Bobby O D. <laughs> <laughs> Appropriate. Yes. Uh, he's, he's just the best guy from Detroit. Um He's gone. I've, he's gone on tour with us a bunch, like with Billy Bob and everybody. He's like in the crew that we all hang out right, with. Right, right. And uh, so that's my connection to so, Tommy Lee. Because Motley Crue is officially retired, right? That's right. They, they signed papers. Yeah. They, they signed it in blood. So is Tommy retired, or is he just going to do one? No, no, he's a DJ now. Oh, he's a DJ. Yeah, yeah. And that's... he he has a band, like a sort of a so. solo band, and it's kind of like. There's hip hop. It's kind of hard rock and hip hop and all sorts of stuff in it. Yeah. They were so, big on yeah. the Limp Bizkit era, right? What yeah, called like Methods of Mayhem? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, good one, yeah. Rich. Good one. Yes. Yeah, yeah that's very good. Methods call. of yes. Mayhem. Methods of Mayhem. Yeah, I don't know if that's paying the bills now though. Ah, uh, they must have made enough uh, money though. Somebody he's, told he's, me that he's still uh, bumming rides off Bud Bundy. Somebody told me they uh, were. I don't know if Tommy Lee, if he sold the house or when he and Pam were married or whatever, you know, they went to look at buying the house when they were getting divorced or so. I don't know how, how I heard the story, but somehow or another they were in the house and they were in the bedroom. And I guess Tommy Lee had one of those, you know, sex swings hanging from the sure, ceiling. Sure, and we've all, all got one. There. It was like, yeah, that guy's all right. Now. <laughs> <laughs> Can I ask one more since we're we're. Uh, chat with Jim. Can I? I always wanted to ask you this one, Jim. Um, for six degrees of engineer, Jim. Tom Waits. Tom Waits. Yes. 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 Actually, uh, yeah, I worked on a record with Tom Waits. Um, uh, one of his only live albums that he's done. Actually, sort of like his first official live record. An album called Big Time. Uh, which is an amazing record. Uh, we recorded it at the Wiltern. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. They did some Great of it. Venue. They did some of it at the Warfield in San Francisco, but I think the majority of the album we did at the Wiltern. So Tom Waits himself, such an eccentric, interesting, yeah, really person. interesting guy. Yeah, and uh, like, what was your experience with him? Um, you know. Really, really eccentric, you know, <laughs> but uh, super nice and just um, this uh, this album, it was kind of like a concept album. It was a live album of this, uh, uh, the album we did previous, oh, God, I wrote something down. Oh, God, I can't remember. I, I don't remember. <laughs> so I saw that you, you guys were going to talk about Tom Waits. And I, I never do that either, but I don't know. Anyways, uh, it's like uh, <laughs> The Life and Times of Frank Sullivan or something. I forget the name of the album that he did. It was a concept album that this live album was the tour of. So when you and say he, so he took the persona oh, I see. of this guy. And it was really wild. Like, uh, the set was really... Uh, kind of minimum, you know, they had like an old refrigerator that was like painted like neon colors and an old couch and 
the light show really was like one of those sort of work lights like you'd see in a construction site, you know, like you'd have on an extension mm -hmm. cord with a little mm -hmm. cage around it. Mm -hmm. And he'd kind of hold that in front of his face while he sang. And it was really, really very vibey. And it was a great, he had an amazing band with him. It was a great album. You should check it out. He he acts. He uh, he lived in a hotel for like fifteen yeah. years. I'd be fun. I'd do that. <laughs> so so th there was a club up on Sunset Boulevard for the longest time in the eighties. It was a big place uh, called Club Lingerie, uh -huh. and it was across the street from um, the Cat and Fiddle. I don't know if you guys ever heard of that. It was an English pub up there on Sunset. It, it, ju it just closed like a couple it of years ago. just closed a couple yep. of years ago. Anyways, uh, you could go in Club Lingerie like any night of the week, and at the end of the bar, right as you walked in the door, they would be Tom Waits. He'd be sitting there having a drink. Just know. holding court. Yeah, holding court. Yeah. I, I want to have a bar that everyone knows if they walk in any day of the week, I'm there. Speaking of someone always in a bar, remember when we went to the, the Rainbow, and who's that old biker guy that was at the Rainbow when we were there? Uh, they got the old slick back hair, and you said he's there all the time, and he was uh, in Sopranos. Uh, well, oh yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he was uh, in, he was in the front row at yeah, the UFC he, event. He's oh, a, was he's he? a uh, fight. He's a fighter. He used to fight all the time too. That Nick guy. or something is his yeah. name. Oh, Nick. God, oh, God, I forget it. He was there anyway. Oh. Yeah, yeah. He's been in. He he's always in plays like an Italian yeah. uh, mob guy, exactly, you know, yeah. tough guy. Yeah, uh, uh, he's on the Howard Stern show a lot. That guy. We'll have to look up his name. Yeah. Andrew. Uh, by the way, before we get to our, our guest, yeah. Theo Fleury, who's on the Canadian Wall of Fame, he's going to be uh, here in person as our guest on the podcast. We want to tell you that our podcast is sponsored by MeUndies. Yeah. Whether you're wearing a suit or sweats, you spend almost 24 hours a day in your underwear, but instead of making a statement like Superman's tight under his everyday clothes, you wear your underwear is probably boring. MeUndies is here to change that. Every pair of MeUndies is made from sustainably sourced modal, a fabric that's twice as soft as cotton. Nothing can describe the fit and feel of MeUndies, but once you try them on, you'll understand why they're called the world's most comfortable underwear. And if you don't love your first pair of MeUndies, they're free. No questions asked. MeUndies has dozens of styles and limited edition prints to help you make a statement with your underwear, whether anyone can see them or not. Remember Superman? Shipping is free in the U.S. and Canada, and you can save up to $8 a pair with the MeUndies subscription plan. Get the subscription or a single pair. You get 20% off your first order when you go to MeUndies.com slash Jay and Dan. Spell it out. J-A-Y and Dan. That's MeUndies.com slash Jay and Dan for 20% off your first order. MeUndies.com slash Jay and Dan. I'm wearing some right now and I freaking love them. So and, am I. And Rich, you've dropped off some for me, so I'm going to put my package into some MeUndies later mm, tonight. They're great. Yeah, I can't wait. They're I'm wearing great. them right now, too. Are you? Yeah, yeah. Man, we're all going to be Prove wearing MeUndies. I'm just kidding. Drop your trousers. <laughs> and again, <laughs> so it's like my balls are floating on the cloud. Yeah, they have a nice package area from a package. They're right. get our hands on more balls. Exactly. Right? Don't they a nice feel pack. great? Yeah. 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 Free shipping again in the U.S. and Canada. So there you go. Very quickly, uh, before we get to Theo, one more letter, Dan, from TV's Evan Gilchrist. It says, "Hey, bods. Right off the top, I just want to point out an error from last week. It's actually two weeks ago. The song Combination Pizza Hut and Taco Bell is by the rap group Das Racist, and not LMFAO, as <laughs> stated by Ian. Maybe it was Ben. Don't know the difference. 
<laughs> Sorry to call you guys on the air, but I just wanted to let you know. I'm from the States, been a big fan since the TSN days. You made long overnight shifts bearable. Keep on trucking, boys. TV's Evan Gilchrist. Okay, let's hear the difference. Uh, Ian, speak for a sec. Uh, that is totally correct. Das Racist, a group uh, composed of Heems, who is a very good solo artist now, and another guy. They also had a song which the chorus was, I'm not joking, I'm just joking, we are joking, I'm just joking, we're not joking. I, I will say this. I don't believe anything you say after you got this. this <laughs> Ian's in charge of Taco Bell. Ian's in charge of the drops now. Let's hear Ben's voice. My name is Ben, and I was born in the Valley. <laughs> there's a difference. Yeah, there's no, you guys actually, Ian's doing a great job on the drops, a lot better than whoever we had doing it before. Yeah. And to be fair, Ian did send an email to all of us yes, afterwards, correcting he felt, That's a very good point, Rich. Shame. So that's a very good point. Own Deep up your shame. mistakes. Deep yeah. shame. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. As you agree more. Speaking of admitting your mistakes, I took a, a, an Uber on a short distance. They had to go down one road and take a right. It was a, a ten minute drive. I look up. This guy's driving through a neighborhood off the road. He goes, I'm like, where are you going? He's like, uh, I'm going where you told me. I'm like, no, he's, he's gone off. He's gone off the road and taken me for a wild goose chase. Why would someone say that? Why would they, why would they blatantly lie to someone that's in their car that knows their way to their home? Because he, he uh, feels bad and does, he wants to make sure you give him the five-star review. This no, I would give him a here. zero star, but I give everyone a five star. Well, this is the thing. He was hoping that he could salvage it somehow by giving you an explanation that you might buy. Oh, Jim has a theory. No, I, I just had a question. It, doesn't Uber, like, the price is sort of set? Like, they oh, it's between... I have no idea. This how it and works. this before you go, right? Like when you book an Uber, there's an estimate. They, I think they right? estimate yeah. what yeah. the trip is going to be. Yeah. Right. Right. So, wouldn't it behoove the guy to go the shortest way? That's a very good point by Jim. Oh, made no sense. Mm. I know it doesn't make. I, sense. I just brought that up because owning your mistakes. That mm. guy did not. Oh, he blamed he it on me for some reason. Yeah. So. Try be a little more like Ian and a little less like old Uber driver McGee. And Fast. it just kind of shows what kind of youth is living today. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, let's get into our interview with uh, Theo Flurry. You're listening to the Jay and Dan podcast. And here's Theo Flurry. Yes, we did it. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Oh, man. You're on a whirlwind tour. You've been everywhere yeah. the last year. Yeah, well, it... Uh... I think the the greatest thing is we're helping so many people and That's right. you know we're saving lives actually which is even more important than anything else and so uh yeah and we're just using different ways to you know get the message out there so it doesn't get old and and uh you know we try to bring new perspectives and you know we're we're doing tons of research on the brain and how trauma uh in childhood affects your brain and and uh and then how you can go back and rewire it all because the brain is very resilient, right? And mm -hmm. and uh, and hopefully, you know, I, I think at some point, I don't know when that'll be, but I think we're going to get this concussion thing under control as well because, there, you know, there's so many brain studies out there continually and, and we know more about the brain probably in the last, 18 months than at any point in history so you know it's really cool to sort of delve into into that perspective as well you've been so uh, outspoken about what you went through and and using that to help others and hopefully you know making other people's lives better how did you get involved first of all in, in victor walk how did this all come about <laughs> well this all came about when uh 
you know, when Playing With Fire got released in 2009, you know, I was, at a, book. I was at a book signing in, in Toronto, the first book signing, and I didn't have any expectations, right? I'm not J.K. Rowling, right? <laughs> you know, just wrote a book about my life with very little expectation. So I get to this book signing. 400 people show up at this book signing. I'm like, this is weird, right? You know? And so I start signing books. Out of the corner of my eye, I spot this guy in line. He's got my book clutched against his chest, and his face is buried in the floor, and he's walking really slow in the line. So I follow him all the way in the line. He gets to the front of the line, puts the book on the table, looks me in the eye, says, me too. Hmm. And that's when I knew what the rest of my life was going to look like. And since that first Me Too, and this being seven years later from the first Me Too, you know, we've had 600,000 people either directly or indirectly say Me Too as well. That's so, a lot of people. So, you know, um, in the documentary, you know, the documentary opens with this is the biggest epidemic on the planet, right? One in three girls, one in five boys before the age of 18 are going to be sexually molested worldwide not only in Canada not in the only in the United States but you know we're talking a billion people here and so there is an enormity to what we're doing but what i found is the simplicity of telling my story created all of this and so you know that's why i'm like you said everywhere and because i'm i'm in demand because people are coming to grips with the enormity of not only sexual abuse, but I think just trauma in general, right? Because trauma comes in all shapes, sizes, and forms, you know? It doesn't have to be sexual abuse. It could be emotional abuse, physical abuse, bullying. If your parents split up, that's trauma. If you survive cancer, that's trauma. So there's all different kinds of trauma, right? And it leaves us with emotional pain and, and suffering, right? And then how do you deal with that? Well, you get into addictions, right? You drink too much, you smoke too much, you, uh, you know, you gamble, sex, food, you know, there's full gamut of addictions that you get into. But then there comes a point when you have that, you know, spiritual awakening or the proverbial rock bottom that everybody talks about. And you really have to make a choice. Am I going to? continue to live this way because if I do I'm probably going to die but if I go the other way what can happen and fortunately for me it was hard to believe 11 and a half years ago I had a fully loaded pistol in my mouth ready to pull the trigger right and it wasn't because I wanted to die it was because I was exhausted from living in emotional pain and suffering right and I didn't know that there was a better way of doing this or nobody had presented me because you you had done every drug, probably oh. you know, all the booze. You, yeah. you explained it all. Well, if you go if you go to treatment, mm -hmm. the first treatment center I went to, I, I didn't learn anything other than the fact that I learned how to do every drug on the planet, every which way. That's basically <laughs> what you learn in the first treatment center, and uh, and uh, but yeah, there's there's so many different ways to heal oneself, right? And uh, you know, fortunately enough for me, I met all kinds of really great people and, you know, we created this team and, and uh, you know, we're, we're really on it right now. We're having a lot of success. You must have a lot of people. You must have the, the stories where the people tell you what happened to them and you're the first person they've ever told. Absolutely. That yeah. must be 
that's a lot to take in. Yeah, at the beginning, it was like, it was pretty overwhelming. But uh, what I've learned is I've learned not to attach any emotion to the story. All I can do is be that safe place where they come and tell their story. What they do with it after that is up to them, right? Because right. you, you can't help people that don't want help, right? You know, I have, I, I have so many grandmas, grandpas, aunts, uncles, moms, dads emailing me about their kids going, I don't know what to do. I'm, you know, pulling my hair out. And the first thing I say to them, the only person you can take care of is you. And if the person doesn't want help, there's nothing you can do. But what we're really good at is we're really good at collecting enablers because that allows us to continue the behavior for a long time, right? right? But once the enablers get pissed off and leave you, you hit rock bottom a lot quicker. And then you make that transition after you hit that rock bottom. Tell us about the doc. How, tell us a little bit more about what people will see in the documentary. Well, I think the documentary is filled with just an incredible amount of hope and inspiration. You and know? the Victor Walk, tell us about yeah, that Yeah, the Victor Walk, uh, I wanted to do something on a larger scale so right. that I could touch more people. And so we came up with this idea, you know, let's just go on a walk and see what happens, right? And so I got eight of my friends. We raised a little bit of dough, enough to get us to from Toronto to Ottawa. And we went on this walk. And, you know, what happened was you know, a life-changing event for all of us. Like we've, we've all changed because of this first walk and it was just people randomly, like it wasn't planned. It, like it's not produced reality TV, the documentary. It's right. like real and it's in your face, but it's story after story after story. Like we were in Peterborough, Ontario. My hometown. My hometown. And our feet were like fried. It was like four days or five days in the walk. Our feet were fried. And so there's a y, YMCA in Peterborough. So we're like, oh, man, let's just go sit in a hot tub and relax. It's brand new. Yeah, brand new. So so we're coming out of the steam room. And this guy's standing there in a towel. We're all in towels. And he's like, hey, you're that guy that's doing that walk. And then he, like, comes out with this unbelievable story about his kid being molested. And in the dock, you know, we're all standing in towels, like, listening to this story just going... It was unbelievable. And that, you know, throughout the whole documentary, we were walking on the Highway 7 up to Ottawa there. And this little white dog comes out onto the highway and we almost run it over. Well, the owner of this dog had no idea that we were doing this documentary. And we explained what we were doing. He's like, me too. Me too. Like, just like that. Unreal. You know, so it's like, you know, you can't plan this kind of stuff. And, and, uh, and I... What I try to tell people was, and I always refer back to the first Me Too, because for as much courage as it took that guy to get to that book signing and he needed to say Me Too, well, guess what? I needed to hear it. Right. Yeah. Right? I needed to hear it more than he probably needed to say it. And uh, it really is truly amazing when you find the purpose for your life. Because, you know, when I left hockey... I had a grade 12 diploma from Vanier Collegiate in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. So what the hell's the rest of my life going to look like? And I didn't want it to be in hockey. I didn't want to be a coach. I didn't want to do anything. I wanted to do something bigger with bigger impact. And, and, uh, it, like I said, it's been absolutely every single day of my life since, since I 
said me too has been you know one of the most rewarding things of my life and you know obviously when i walk into a room i have a stanley cup and a gold medal but i would trade all of that to do this right. every single day because i think that's the real reason why we're all put on this earth is to help one another through our own storytelling mm -hmm. get people where they need to go and you must be in the you have to be in the Guinness Book of World Records as the first NHL superstar to become a country music star. <laughs> yeah. You have it's to amazing. Be. <laughs> and who does that? Yeah. No one's ever done that before. Now, do you, I always wanted to ask you this. Did, were you always into country music yeah. growing yeah. up? You always loved yeah. country, yeah. I remember I think I signed my first million dollar deal in Calgary. And so I went down to the local Ford dealership and bought brand new truck, you know. And I said to the guy, I said, can you put all the stations on the radio to, <laughs> to Country 105? So, you know, when people get in your car, they, yeah. they're pushing the buttons. Yeah. Well, every button they push went to Country 105. <laughs> but, uh, you know, my fondest memories as a child are sitting beside my grandfather, listening to him play the fiddle in, the, like, this incredible scene, you know. Everybody thinks Manitoba is, like, flat and it's prairies, but... Uh, I grew up sort of in the Duck Mountains of, of uh, northern Manitoba, northwest Manitoba. And uh, my, they had a farm. And the farm was called Chinatown was the name of the farm because the railroad ran right through their farm. And the Chinese built the railroad, so they called this farm Chinatown. And so there's just this incredible view overlooking the Assiniboine Valley with the river flowing and the leaves changing and... You know, it's just, and my grandfather's a hardworking guy and, you know, didn't, was really quiet, but man, he'd pick up that fiddle and just play. And so every time I hear a fiddle now, my foot just starts sure. giving her. And if you know anything about Métis people, I'm a Métis person, you know, music is part of our DNA. And so, you know, I called a buddy up uh, who's a producer in Winnipeg and our dads used to play music together before we were even born. And, uh. I said, you want to write a song with me? I've got to stroke something off the bucket list. And so I went to Winnipeg and <clears throat> I wrote a song called As the Story Goes. And he sent it back to me and I listened to it. I was like, wow, it's pretty good. So I called him. I said, do you think it's good? He's like, yeah, of course it's great. So I said, you want to continue writing? So I kept going back to Winnipeg and, you know, we would write songs and play musicians hockey that while I was there, that's what we did. And, and, uh. So eventually one song became 30 songs we wrote and, and uh, you know, we really took our time, right? Because Carl Lewis wrecked it for all of us guys, right? Us <laughs> right. athletes yeah, trying to, athletes, right? yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? He <laughs> really did. And so, uh, you know, we recorded the album in Calgary and uh, I have a great band, a great bunch of guys that have been playing music their whole lives. And uh, we just did a mini tour. Uh, we went to Edmonton. Played the the uh, the casino there. Cowboys Casino. No, uh, yeah, Century right. Century right. Casino, and the old Oilers trainer showed up at the show, and it was <laughs> it was awesome. He's like, I didn't know you could do this, you know, <laughs> and it was great. And then we went to Medicine Hat and played in beautiful theater there, and we went to Sydney, BC, and uh, and did a show out there. And then June twentieth, we're in Saskatoon. Playing, Town? playing Graham Dillette's uh, golf tournament. Oh, nice. Yeah, so. and, and the first, because you, you know, like you said, you won a gold medal, you won a Stanley <laughs> Cup, you were a great player for so long. First time you got on stage as a performer, was that more terrifying? Yeah. Than, yeah. I don't think you can be any more vulnerable than singing your own stuff in front of 
people, you know, and it's mm-hmm. just sort of you up there with your band. And so, yeah, it was a little nerve wracking the first time, but you know, um, once, once you get that instant feedback that people like it, like they actually clapped yeah. after I sang yeah. the first song, you know, so that <laughs> right. was, that was good. And, uh, but yeah, it's, and, and all the lyrics are, you know, a continuing story of, you know, um, because they say when you play a country music album backwards, you get your dog back, car That's back, right. yep. you know. <laughs> and, and so yeah. and so that was, you know, sort of what we wanted to portray. And, you know, listening to Johnny Cash and Buck Owens and all these guys, like they were hard living guys, right? Yes, and and, and so I connect to, you know, to their sort of struggles in life. And and so our the lyrics and the music have a lot of, you know, that in it and uh, it's very powerful stuff before we let you go because i'm sure you get the question a lot are you still a fan of the game yeah absolutely yeah Yeah, of course that that's you know that's part of our dna even even if we wanted to get rid of it because some some guys leave the game and they're like ah yeah Yeah. sometimes you've yeah but they're lying to you really (laughs) they're lying (laughs) they're lying to you i guarantee if it's on they're gonna watch it yeah right you know that never leaves you and uh you know it wasn't until like probably f- three or four years ago where I actually said to myself, okay, you're officially retired. You can't play anymore. Stop yelling at the TV, you know, and, and, and all of that. And, and now I'm just a fan of the game. And, uh, you know, Mike Sullivan was my line mate in uh, Calgary uh, back in the day. And so I'm so happy for him and what he's, uh, what he's done in Pittsburgh. And obviously I'm a huge Mario fan because I sat beside him when we won the Olympics uh, in 2002 and you know he's an amazing guy and very humble and and uh, great guy so yeah. uh, before you go a website where everyone can find everything yes okay thealflurry14.com uh, I'm on all social media networks uh, and victorwalk.doc.com I gotta say, you're great on Instagram, Theo. Like you really Thanks, mastered buddy. this yeah. social media thing. Yeah, well, it's taking a long time, you know, because uh, you know I'm almost gonna be 50, and how many 50 year old oh, guys? You look like a million bucks. Yeah, you look great, Theo buddy. Flurry. Everybody. Theo Flurry, Thanks, great job, my friend. Thank you. There you go. You're listening to the Jay and Dan podcast. And uh, by the way, Theo, such a great guy. He like, is doing phenomenal work. Yeah. And like, uh, yeah, so check out his website and check out that documentary. We, we sat and uh, chatted with him. As you may have noticed, we did that on a regular set. Yeah. Uh, we sat and chatted with him for another 30 minutes. Uh, they were going to a Dodger game. So, uh, yeah, what a great guy. He's doing great work. Um, bit of a sad uh, email here. Got to read it, though. Big fan of the podcast. You guys may remember a young guy named Mac Weeb from McGregor, Manitoba. Uh, we have him on the... There is on the on the canadian wall of fame put him up on the wall of fame um was struggling with a cancer diagnosis i got an email from uh, a family member it said with a a heavy heart i inform you that mac passed away last night peacefully with his family by his side he was an incredible young man who fought the hard fight his legacy will continue on through my son connor and the rest of his friends including you he thought the world of you and dan so uh, that's from leslie nickel um, Mac's brother also sent me an email, just said, you know, really appreciated everything we did. We really didn't do anything. We just wanted to uh, acknowledge Mac and his family and uh, and say we're thinking about him and, and uh, hopefully everyone's okay. And this podcast is uh, done in his honor. So, uh, Mac, we're going to miss you, buddy. Um, 
also, we said Chris Phillips was going to be on this podcast, right, but uh, right. he, he we had some scheduling issues. So uh, the recently retired Ottawa Senator, great Chris Phillips, will hopefully, if our, our schedules uh, work out, will be on next week's podcast. Next week's we apologize pod. if you were tuning in looking for that. That's right. And, uh, and now um, I want to get to maybe my favorite new segment. <laughs> Uh, on the show, it's the herd turd. Yeah, uh, our good friend Colin Cowhart. Yeah, this is fun. So, uh, a little bit to go with. If you were dating a woman, would you rather her be a great cook or someone who's great at baking? If you had to choose, so never I'll, thought I'll about preface it. Preface it with that, and okay. we'll let Colin take it over. All right, here we go. It, it's, Wait, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. It's so not appropriate. It's the end of the show. We don't even have that much time. So Anne texted me. My wife. Yes, and she's listening, and she said, because this is baking versus cooking. I said women. I have a theory on women who bake and women who cook. Right. So apparently you haven't shared your theory with her, because I think I know what it is. And Anne said... Baking requires that you follow rules. You also don't have to control the out. You don't have control of the outcome until it's too late. Cooking, you can create on the fly and manipulate the outcome. Which do you want to hear my theory first? Or do you want to give it? No, you give your theory. Okay, my theory is that you think cookers are better than bakers in bed. You're right. <laughs> That's what I thought. So that was my whole point: is yeah. that that women who cook are attracted to the manipulation, uh, making okay. up, making it up as they go. Don't Whereas baking, rules. there's rules More you follow rules. Right. Can I just put it out there? I so, prefer to so bake. So bakers, but hold on. So bakers are, are doing. I kind of uh, go. I, I, bakers are doing all. Uh, it's all missionary. Bakers, it's one hundred percent missionary. <laughs> Cooks. They're eating ass. They're doing right. They're doing all sorts of weird. <laughs> I, I don't think they went that far. No, that, that's what I got from that clip. We got our hands on more balls. I've huh? never thought of that analogy, but it kind of makes sense. I think. Now here's a what if what if you you are with someone that can bake and cook? That's the bonus. Because then if you want to keep it, you know, kind of G-rated in the sack, and you can. But if you want to get it real crazy, like eating a bunch of ass. <laughs> <laughs> or bringing a horse penis into the proceedings. <laughs> then you can do that too. Dan's uncomfortable with this subject. <laughs> well, that was fun. <laughs> um, I have actually another thing. And I don't know how you guys all feel about this. Okay. So the voices we heard obviously were Colin and then Christine Leahy is Colin's co-host. Um, does anyone else find it disturbing that Colin's wife is listening to his radio show and then texting Christine, his co-host, during the show, and they're talking about Colin? So now this is gonna this isn't gonna end well for Colin. No, no, it's Colin's good. not gonna be able to keep any secrets from his wife. It's gonna be they're gonna be talking. They're gonna be manipulating him from afar. I don't like the way this is going for Colin Cowherd at all. I like it. It's when uh, Homer uh, taught at the uh, the night school, and he just ended up telling stories about March. Okay, that's. I guess that's one way of looking at it. Do you think his wife listens to all three hours? No, no, that's impossible. Maybe, <laughs> maybe, no. We'll have to ask him. Watch it. <laughs> we should have Colin on again. He was yeah, very entertaining yeah. last time. Well, yeah, let's let's ask him. Well, he's going to be doing uh, Speak for Yourself, the new uh, FS1 show soon, so he'll be around in the afternoons. Launches, Watch it! Launches Monday. It's going to be big. What do you guys think about this NHL team in Vegas? You heard about this? The, yeah. Um, okay, I've, I'm up two minds of this. I think we discussed this before. We did. Very quickly. Oh, I will say, I like that they're going to be the first of the four major sports leagues in Vegas. I like that they're getting there first. But... 
<laughs> but I still question whether every game becomes like a road game, right? So say the Detroit Red Wings are in town. Well, if, if I'm a, someone from Detroit, I'm like, hey, let's plan a trip uh, to Vegas. We'll go see the Wings. We'll, we'll go gamble a little bit. And suddenly every game is like, you know, 12,000 Wings fans who've flown down from, from Ann Arbor and 5,000 Black Aces fans from Henderson or whatever. <laughs> you know, I, that's, that's my concern. Here are the two things. Uh, they have one good thing. The rink is essentially on the strip. It is. So yeah. that's great for tourists, but bad for locals. I don't know how the hell or where they park. Where do locals park if they go to that game? They must have looked into that. There's got to be Because locals parking. avoid the strip. Yes, that's true. So that is a valid concern. But And that team will forever have teams on the Vegas hangover. That's true, too. So they're going to have guys who are out till 3 in the morning, and they're on a fresh set of legs. So... So they're going to get a few if, wins out of that. If I were the owner of the Las Vegas Black Aces, I, by the way, I don't know if that's what they're called. They should call it that. Uh, if I'm the owner, every so I make sure I know where the visiting teams are staying. I put some sort of like uh, thing in every hotel room of all the visiting players, like uh, you know, first twelve drinks on me at Marquee <laughs> tonight. <laughs> And then, uh, you know, make sure they bypass the line and get wherever they want to go. Free passes to Spearmint Rhino. Right. Spearmint Rhino. Make sure you have a, a, a beautiful limo bus ready to take the boys there until the wee hours. Yeah. There maybe, you go. Maybe we should be working for the Las Vegas Black Aces. <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. Can that would we, be a fun Can gig. we work for the Las Vegas hockey team? That'll make Jay and Dan happy. Uh, would it ever. We thank Theo Fleury for coming on the yeah. uh, the podcast. Make Good sure time. you follow him on Twitter. Uh, he will be uh, telling you everything you need to know about his documentary, at Theo Fleury 14. And, uh, yeah, keep, uh, keep subscribing to this podcast. And don't forget about the Fox Sports Live podcast that we put out uh, five days a week or in this case of this week two times a week that's right we had a few days off this week uh yeah that's it uh quickly twitter handles at jay and dan at theo flurry 14 as dan mentioned at engineer underscore jim at ben teller at rich underscore cook and at ib martin i got that right right yeah and and it's again in memory of mac we'll miss you buddy and you'll forever be on the canadian wall of fame have a good week